0: Welcome in to the Otsen Audibles podcast. Matt Cream, Jared back on the show. Jared fresh off a trip to Scottsdale, Arizona to cover the Pac-12 Championship and we're going to talk everything he saw in in Arizona because Oregon went 4 and 0 in the Pac-12 tournament. They won the tournament. They get the at-large or they get the automatic bid, excuse me. Out of the pack 12 for the college baseball uh tournament. And Jared, let's just start there and and Scottsdale. Um mm-hmm. it was a wild week of games, four games. Um, if not for maybe Stanford throwing a wild throw to third to try and throw a guy out, which they really probably didn't have any business getting, and maybe it doesn't even happen.
1: Yeah, um, it was a up and down four games. Uh It started on tuesday night against cal a 7 p.m game uh really just a gross baseball game both teams i think combined were one for 18 or one for 19 with runners in scoring position uh nobody could get a run in but oregon got three of them and cal got two of them so oregon moves on uh oregon also moved on that game because the shortstop committed an error after oregon really honestly committed a base running blunder with bryce petrick going home on a ground ball to short but he Throws come into the air and Betcher was able to score, tying the game. And then a sacrifice fly batter later from Jacob Walsh uh, ultimately won the game. Uh, and yeah, and then you just keep moving down the line. The Stanford game, like you said, Colby Shade hits a triple. Uh, Stanford tries to throw him out and headed to third. Uh, I think had it been a really good, had it been a good throw, I think it, Colby Shade probably was out. But it wasn't. The throw sailed into the net. Uh, just a complete errant toss. And Colby Shade scores, ties the game. Uh, That was a crazy game, one of the crazier moments of the season for sure. That was Oregon's first extra inning game. Yep. First extra inning game all season long, so they had to wait until the Scottsdale tournament for a 7 p.m. game to do so. Thank you. Um, (laughs) It certainly made my night uh, a lot easier. But, yeah, and then you move forward. They play Washington, Washington who swept Oregon in a three-game series towards the end of the season. They won a slugfest basically there. Um, the bullpen dominated Washington. Uh, they dominated the whole tournament, only allowed two or three earned runs the entire tournament, which was great. Uh, yeah, and then fast forward to the championship game, another 7 p.m. Another 7 p.m. game at Scottsdale Stadium. Um, just a really good old-fashioned college baseball game. Crowd was electric. There were, there were enough Oregon fans to make a difference, but um, you know, no surprise that there was a ton of, Ar- of Arizona baseball fans there. I think the final attendance number was 4,051, so it was pretty packed. I wouldn't say it was quite a sellout, but uh, pretty darn packed. I think there were a lot of Oregon fans for the first two games. Maybe they, they were thinking Oregon wasn't going to go farther in yeah. the tournament, um, but so there were progressively fewer people who were there over the course of the week. But there were still a good amount of, of Oregon fans there on uh, Saturday night. Um, just a great tournament for Oregon. I, uh, you know, I think they, you know, with the automatic bid now. They didn't have to worry about getting into the tournament. Uh, I think Oregon was probably safe with at least two wins, which they got. But you never know. Like USC and Arizona State both were pretty worthy of getting into the tournament, and they both didn't hear their names get called yesterday on Selection Monday. So whether or not Oregon would have got in, we won't know because they won the whole thing and they got an automatic bid. But uh, they needed it. And they needed it really bad after the last two weeks that they had or two or three weeks of the season that they had. Um, A lot of momentum riding now into the Nashville Regional. Yeah, I was just going to
0: go back to that. um, Because last time we were on this podcast, we talked baseball was about a month ago, end of April. And I think they just won a a three-game homestand against Arizona State. And we're sitting here talking. Hey, they've got Oregon State, they've got USC, Washington, Utah. Things are looking really good for this program. And that Sunday loss to ASU was a start of a run where they lost like eight of nine games. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't look good. They got swept at home by the Washington schools. Um, I think they lost for Utah in like the first time in a long time. Um, what's the difference? Between that three-week stretch where they went one and eight, and then you know they closed out the regular season with two road wins at Utah, and now you know they go into the tournament, the big tournament, on a six-game win streak and Pac-12 champions. What has changed with this team? Uh,
1: it's just the pitching. I guess pretty simple as that. Um, like I've said on this podcast before, Oregon's offense has always hit. Uh, they did so even during that eight of nine losing streak there. They put up um, some d- double-digit performances, some six, seven-run performances. But specifically against Washington, when you allow uh, 43 runs over three games, that is really, really bad. Um, even those for those that don't know baseball, you can tell. Aver- averaging yeah, over know, like 10 to 11 runs a game is really bad um so that that's what happened in this postseason was oregon was able to get good starting pitching and uh really good bullpen outings um i think turner spuljarek had the worst performance against stanford it was interesting in the post game that kind of he kind of alluded to stanford knowing probably like knowing what pitches he was throwing um which i thought was interesting because he got tagged he got uh, seven hits against stanford and one inning of work for six earned runs so Again, Stanford's a, a, a fantastic team They're the eighth overall seed in the country but I thought that was interesting but he, you know Turner goes out there the next night and throws six innings of th- three or four run ball against Arizona. So he was he said that he was making good pitches and that he was just getting hit so sometimes it happens in baseball, but I thought that was interesting. but anyways uh, that was the worst outing for an Oregon pitcher the, the entire weekend. It was was Spiljeric against Stanford and there might have yeah. been an asterisk against that. But the bullpen, like I said earlier, they allowed two or three earned runs throughout the entire postseason tournament. Um, Grayson Grinsell, a true freshman, a left-handed pitcher out of out of uh, Reno, I think he's out of Reno, um, was lights out. Uh, he started Game One, pitched pretty well, kept them in the game. Uh, he comes back a couple days later against Stanford. Uh, excuse me, you no, know, against Washington, strikes out six batters in three and two-thirds innings. Just an absolute stud for this whole tournament. Uh, he was one. He was named one of the Pac-12 tournament's best pitchers, uh, rightfully so. Uh, Josh Malares had a good outing. Uh, Matt Dallas allowed one of the three earned runs. Dylan McShane was really good. And then Austin Anderson, who really had struggled to throw strikes all season long. You can go look at his stats. They look really good on paper, but once you see the the walk to strikeout to innings pitch ratio, it's not great. It's not necessarily what you want from a reliever, but... Again, another guy who was lights out. I think he got the biggest out of the tournament other than Dallas's final out of the game when he struck out Kike Romero with the bases loaded on a 2-2 slider down and in. Um, just exactly what you needed. And those types of performances were nowhere to be found during that 8-of-9 losing streak. Uh, Washington, the first game against Utah. Oregon State put up a ton of runs. Um, USC put up a good amount of runs. It just wasn't there. And Oregon really shortened their staff this postseason tournament. Really, we're only throwing like six or seven guys max, um, and and this, again, this is all without Jay Stoffel and uh, Isaac Aon, who two guys who would really help this this rotation and this pitching staff. But uh, both are still hurt, so they did the guys who pitched did their jobs. Uh, I think significantly better than any other time during the year. I think that goes
0: again right into my next question. Is I we know pitching's hurt. Just where's the health right now with a most importantly, uh, Stofel—he's their top guy. Um, and then B—is there anyone else? Are they going in to postseason play now, as healthy as they can be, or are there a lot of guys kind of dealing with stuff? I mean, I would that, say no, that I, every... like that—not normally every every team's going to have guys hurt. Like, is it just the normal? Right. Hey, they're dealing with stuff, or are there are there issues here?
1: There are issues here. Uh, in terms of how healthy they actually are, I'm not sure. Because, um, like, for the last month since Jay Stoffel has been hurt, we've been healing, hearing decent, decently good things, seemingly progressively better. Um, every time we ask head coach Mark Wasikowski, Um, you know, he he really batted on the hatches and said that Isaac Aon was going to pitch at some time during the regular season. Um, I asked him point blank about it. He said that he's going to throw that hasn't happened. Uh, Jay Stoffel is continuously day-to-day, uh, seemingly seemingly an upgrade every time, like I said, that we ask him about it. But you know, it's been about, about a month, a little bit less than a month since he's thrown. And uh, that's a huge, huge, huge piece of their pitching staff. Um, if he had thrown enough innings this year, I firmly believe that he would have been Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year. Um, instead, he has a weird nerve injury on his throwing hand uh, and his throwing finger. So He hasn't pitched in a long time um i'm not sure what the case is there but maybe he throws maybe he doesn't if i were an oregon fan and i were listening i wouldn't go into the the regional thinking that he's going to throw neither would i think that isaac aon is going to throw i mean isaac aon did not make the trip to scottsdale so i have a hard time seeing him making the trip to nashville as well um unless barring some significant change Um, Leo Ullman was another guy who didn't make the trip to Nashville or excuse me, to Scottsdale, another, uh, true freshman starting pitcher. Um, not sure what's up with him. Uh, I'm not sure if that's injury related or something else. And then Matt Dallas came back from injury. This tournament, so that was a good sign, excuse me, for, uh, for Oregon's bullpen. Um, other than that, I think that Oregon's been pretty healthy. Sabine Ceballos looks a lot better than he did like a week or two ago. Uh, Dominic Hellman is still out probably for the season, um, I know like, I, I texted Waz and said that he, he was day to day, but I don't think he's going to be playing anytime soon. Um, but other than that, I think Oregon's injury situation looks pretty good. It's just that Stoful I mean, it could be the ultimate difference maker in a tournament like this where Vanderbilt is good, yes, but they are not um, as good of Vanderbilt teams as Oregon has played in the past. Um, they, they play Xavier again, and a, re- a rematch from the very first series of the season. Um, so it just it just is it hurts Oregon more than probably any other position group on their team that Stoffel is hurt and Isaac Ayan is still hurt as well.
0: All right. So look, there's some people that are gonna be diehard baseball fans and they know all the best all the best players on this team. They know the storylines. And then just like softball, just like basketball. Um, there's going to be a, a good chunk of Duck fans that are going to jump on and watch these games starting this past weekend in in Scottsdale. Who are the mm-hmm. offensive players or the fielders um, that you need to know? Who are the guys that are on on fire right now at the plate? Who are who are the guys Oregon's going to be leaning on in Nashville?
1: Man, I mean their whole starting nine. Um, they are really, really talented at, on, the, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you go top to bottom, Riku Nishida, Colby Shade, Drew Cowley, Savine Ceballos, Tanner Smith, Drew Smith, uh, Jacob Walsh, Bennett Thompson, the catcher, and Gavin Grant at second base. Um, all nine of those guys are, are need-to-know names. They all can have uh, a performance that carries a team. Uh, that's what makes this lineup so deadly. Um, against Utah, uh, it was Drew Smith and Bennett Thompson, two guys who kind of were they were there all season long but weren't the big names um i think bennett thompson had nine hits in two games against utah Uh, drew smith had five rbis in two games against utah you go to the pac-12 tournament both of them are continuing to rake uh gavin grant has a four-hit performance against arizona in the final game drew calley has a four-hit performance in the game uh, before that uh Sabine Ceballos drives in 6 runs against Washington. Like this is very all spread out. Jacob Walsh hits a 6th inning home run against Arizona in the championship game. It's an extremely impressive offense and that you know that that's the that's the engine of this team. That's that's the motor. That's what makes them kick. Um but I guess some storylines to follow. Drew Smith, a uh, true freshman. I know Oregon wanted to redshirt him earlier in the season but Cutting some some injury situations just they had a revolving door at DH and they had to throw somebody in there but Drew Smith ended up being the guy Um, just broke Oregon's all-time hit record He now has 19 (laughs) straight games with a hit Um, he's hitting above 400 Uh, just an absolute bonafide stud very excited to see his development over the next couple years at Oregon Um, I think he could be shoot I mean at this point he's going to be some guy who's going to get a lot of draft buzz during his Junior and maybe even his sophomore season um Riku Nishida, just so much fun. I love on. this dude. I love yeah. watching this dude play. Yeah, he's uh, he's truly one of a kind. Um, I've never been on the field or seen baseball games where there's a player like him. Um, he just has all of these antics. I mean, he takes a right-handed swing for his warm-up swing. Um, two, two strike counts, he squats down in the box. Uh, he's kind of a slap hitter, but has five home runs in the season. He doesn't strike out. I think he has seven or he eight. He uses a wood bat. Season. Uses a wood bat. I always forget about that one because I'm so used to seeing it, but nobody else uses a wood bat. Um, for those who don't listen, uh, College of Baseball is metal bats, BB core bats. Uh, anybody using a wood bat is at a severe disadvantage, except for Riku Nishida because he is, he's hit four of his five home runs this year with a wood bat. Only only one with an al- aluminum bat. Um, What's and then the, I guess do, do we know the, the reason why he uses a wood bat? Uh he said it's feel. He says he just likes it more. Strange. It's awesome yes. though. Oh yeah, I know it's tremendous. Um Riku is a, a junior college transfer from Mount Hood Community College, um, originally from Japan. Um he's just one of a kind, he truly is. And he's he gets enough draft buzz that I hope he gets uh I hope he gets selected in the in later rounds of the draft because he'd be an extremely fun player to, to watch through the minor leagues. But I think the biggest storyline heading into this regional um, is the big three of Gavin Grant, Drew Kelly and Tanner Smith. Those guys are all seniors. This is all their last run. Tanner Smith has eight or nine um, career records at Oregon. Like hits, extra base hits, RBIs, consecutive games started, things like that. Um, he's been the penultimate player for the University of Oregon. He's grown this program. He's turned it into or he's helped bring it along and turn it into this postseason contender year after year after year. Um, Gavin Grant, same thing. He's been there the whole time. Drew Calia, transfer from Cal Poly. Pomona, um, just an unbelievable hitter. One of the the better guys in the team. Uh, Just extremely talented. But uh, a lot of the the, the true freshmen, the sophomores that I was able to talk to after the games and interview, a lot of them said that, you know, they want to go on this postseason run for the seniors. They want to do this for them. They want to do it for Tanner and Gavin and, and Drew Cowley um, because they've meant so much to those younger guys going up through the system that they just feel like they need to repay it. They didn't want to end the season on a low note, not make the tournament in Tanner Smith's last year. Um, so basically, yeah, they've just been keep keeping on doing this for for all the seniors there. So I think that's the biggest storyline to me after you know going there for the tournament this past week and listening to all of those interviews. You've, you've covered this team the best in the market, I
0: think. And I'm not saying that because we're coworkers. I think you've committed yourself being at almost every single game, every media availability. Um, you know this team inside and out, this program inside and out. It's the first conference championship they've won. They've, mm-hmm. they've got a lot of momentum going into the is the now. But you just talked about rebuilding this program. What does a league title now mean for Waz for this program? I think it's three straight years in a row they've made the tournament. Now yep. they've got the now they've got the the league title under their belt. It feels like Waz is you know the program every year is taking that next step, that next step, that next step. Mm-hmm. They're going, you know, they're they're still climbing. What does this this season mean, regardless of what happens in the tournament? For, for the program as as a whole, you know, big picture wise,
1: I think it means a good amount, um, especially considering how they ended the regular season with losing eight of nine. Um, I will say that this is only the second year the Pac-12 tournament has has been a thing, um, which is a mistake in its own right. But it's always good to win it. Uh, they weren't the first team to win it; they went zero and two at the tournament last season. So to come back for the second season and win the whole thing is pretty impressive. But you know, they would have won it, or excuse me, they would have played in the postseason four four years in a row had the COVID season, you know, not been canceled due to COVID. That was probably, I might wager that was probably their most talented team, at least on paper, compared to the last couple of seasons. Um so the, what 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 head coach Mark Wazkowski has done with this program has been remarkable. Um, he's turned it completely on its head compared to where they were with the George Horton era teams. Um, granted, those George Horton era teams were really, really good. A um, couple super regionals in there, a uh, couple regional hosts in there, um, but Waz has, you know, brought some baseball life, some happiness, some uh, fan interaction, some fan experience back into PK Park here in Eugene, um, and it showcased itself again during the Pac-12 tournament with all the big hits, the home runs, the celebration, the uh, international flair that you get from Sabine Ceballos and Riku Nishida. Um, it's been a great season for Oregon, I would say. Uh, and i I'd like to point out just like specifically rebounding after losing those eight of nine games, I think was just monumental. Um, I mean, I had people in my comment section of my articles and my Twitter mentions that uh, were asking for you know, basically like, why was why is this team still a thing? Why do they bring back the baseball program? It loses money. They need to disband the baseball program and get rid of it. Um, I don't think so. I definitely do not think so. Uh, this is a good team. This is a talented team. There's gonna be a lot of kids who are drafted from this team. Um, it's only gonna to continue to grow from here. Uh, it's just how I feel. You know, Oregon landed a top five recruiting class last season. Um, I think that was Baseball America's rankings. Um, they're recruiting well again this year. Um, that it's a hard thing to recruit well in college baseball because your best guys just go to the MLB draft. But you know Oregon's got a lot of talent still, even if when they lose All a right. couple of guys this year, um, they're going to be building more. Um, in the Pac-12 tournament, the championship there on ESPN two against Arizona, who's uh, a pristine Pac-12 tournament, uh, or excuse me, a pristine Pac-12 member. Um, won national championships, has plenty of draft picks, has plenty of history. Um, to beat them in the tournament title game, I think that helps as well. Um, I think it's just you know the program's still in the up and up. And again, you know, barring a Jay Stoffel injury, I'd be really interested to see where this team would be, because you know before Stoffel went out, Oregon had won 14 of 16, 14 of 17. Um, they were they were cruising. Jay Stoffel was a guaranteed really good start on a Friday night. <laughs> Um, I think it would have been interesting to see where they would have ended up because, like you said, Matt, earlier in the pod when we talked about this a month ago, you know, Oregon was in really good position to yeah. be hosting a regional. And you know, injuries happen; they always do. But to see them bounce back, I thought was really impressive.
0: All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll go shift gears a little bit to um, the Nashville Regional. Get you kind of prepped things you need to know for that one. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Uh, Matt Premium, Jared Mack. We're talking Oregon baseball exclusively on today's podcast uh, because the Ducks are your Pac-12 tournament champs. They earned the league's automatic bid into the NCAA tournament, and they landed in uh, the Nashville Regional. They are a two-seed. They play uh, number three-seed Xavier on Friday, and – Depending on what happens there, they'll face off either against one seed Vanderbilt or four seed Eastern Illinois. Um, Jared rematch against Xavier. These teams, I don't know how many people are familiar with the schedule and whatnot, but they played the first week of the season, mm-hmm. and it was a four game homestand at home for the Ducks. They won all four games, and uh, Xavier turned out to be a pretty darn good team because they also won their conference tournament as well. What? What do we need to know about this, I guess, rematch in postseason play?
1: Yeah, I mean, while it is a rematch, um, it's just going to be such a different circumstance this time around. Like, we're about Mm -hmm. to be heading into June, and Oregon and Xavier open the season at PK Park in February. I think it was February 18th. Um, so both these teams are going to be extremely different by this point. Um, you know Xavier was an interesting choice, I guess, when I saw the schedule for the first time. I was like, oh, I don't know if they're any good at baseball. But uh, they were a huge RPI boost for the Ducks. Uh, talk about uh, postseason rankings and all that stuff. Um, winning the Big East, I think they'd be UConn uh, to win the Big East. I think that was huge for them. Uh, this is a good hitting book program. Uh, Andrew Walker leads the team. An average at 329. Uh, Matt McCormick, who had a good good series against Oregon at PK Park, 976 OPS. They've got uh, four guys, or excuse me, five guys who have hit uh, over over 10 home runs this season. Um, it's a good team. This is a very quality opponent, a very good three seed. Um, but I guess I think pitching wise, uh, Ethan Bosacker is probably their best guy. He I think he held Oregon to uh, one run in seven innings during the first series of the season. Um, which, again, uh, it's February and you're hitting. It's not exactly what you want. Um, Brant Alisis I don't know who they're going to throw on game one for Xavier, but he's a lefty. Um, I remember him pretty well. He uh, didn't walk a lot of guys, um, doesn't have great strikeout stuff, but gets the job done. Uh, I think Oregon actually does pretty well against lefties considering how left-handed heavy their lineup is, but I don't think that makes too much of a difference. Um, but, yeah, no, Xavier's a good program. Uh, they're a good team they're certainly going to be a challenge i think they're very worthy three seed um, i just it, i don't know if it sucks if you're if you're a college baseball team and you face the same i guess the same team yeah. in the regional i don't like i it. don't know what to think of it i i don't think it's that much especially considering you know it's been 3 or 4 months since Oregon and Xavier played but it would have been nice to see somebody new Especially from my perspective, like, shoot, let's, like, where are we going to play Zan or, excuse me, Vanderbilt and maybe uh, Eastern Illinois? But, you know, let me get, I don't know, Texas, somebody cool like that. Yeah. I I don't, I
0: personally don't like rematches unless there was some kind of like epic, crazy, you know, back and forth matchup. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, maybe they, they tied 2 2 and every game came down to the last inning or something like that where they're just clearly neck and neck, but this wasn't the case. Oregon swept Xavier um, four game series. They had a walk off the first game of the year, three, two, but I'm with you. It doesn't just, it doesn't sit with me. I don't like it, but that's the cards that Oregon's been dealt with. Um, And like you said, like those games were played in February, middle of February. So we're almost three and a half, four months since then the teams are going to be totally different. Um, both teams are surging at the right time. Conference champs, both of them. Um, it should be a good game. It should be a fun matchup. That game's, uh, I believe, at noon Pacific time. 10 a.m. 10 a.m.
1: 10 a.m. Pacific. I time. read it. Uh, I read it as noon Central Standard Time, and then somebody commented, "It's like it's 10 a.m." I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just can't read. It's okay. Friday at 10 o'clock.
0: Uh, that game's on ESPN Plus. Um, it's going to be an early morning game f- for us on the West Coast. You East Coasters can catch lunch and watch that one. But what are your thoughts just overall as Oregon's seed two seed, but they're playing Vanderbilt, who's traditionally a, a pretty strong, really good program, at, based out of the SEC.
1: Yeah, I think the two seed is fine. Uh, you know, they or I think Oregon really showed some guts during the Pac-12 tournament. I think that's a worthy position for the NCAA tournament. Um, Vanderbilt's just going to be Vanderbilt. Uh, this is just who they are. Uh, they are—they're a fun team to watch. Um, I sit down and I like basically every weekend, uh, much to my girlfriend's and I sit down and watch okay. like two to three hours of, of baseball on uh, on YouTube and just the the highlights of the of the most recent series, all the games every weekend. Um, I've watched plenty of Vanderbilt. That's um, a good team. Uh, they, yeah, and if you don't know who Vanderbilt is, like traditionally, they are. Uh, they're a baseball powerhouse um they are yeah. how do i describe them they are like a blue blood in college baseball like a kentucky or a duke or a unc in college basketball that's what vanderbilt is in college baseball um over the last couple of years they've had just tremendous pitching prospects uh join the mlb uh get drafted first overall get drafted in the first round yada yada, yada. um and i don't think this team is any different uh, hunter owen is their friday night guy uh 315 era and sixty innings pitched uh devin fultrill who's kind of like a a, he's more of a starter than anything else but again an absolute stud um they got just arms up the wazoo coming out of the pen uh it's going to be difficult for oregon to really get some offense going but again oregon is one of the best offensive teams i mean my eyes have ever seen Uh, they're just loaded top to bottom um, and they have an offense, like I mentioned earlier, where if one guy gets hot, um, it can carry the whole team. And if one guy gets hot, that'll get other people to get hot and it'll start clicking from there. So um, if Oregon has a good game one performance against Xavier, uh, I'm assuming that Vanderbilt's going to beat Eastern Illinois. No disrespect to Eastern Illinois. Um, if they win that game and they win it convincingly and they get the offense going, you know, I'm, I'm excited for that Vanderbilt potential there uh the i mean the biggest question for oregon remains the pitching staff and if the bullpen uh if their starters can give them you know two or three earned runs as, as a starter then two or three earned runs out of the bullpen if they can keep it within reason like anywhere from two to two to five maybe even two to six runs um i think that gives oregon a chance to win against basically anybody but you know this vanderbilt team is is hard uh, RJ Schrack, Chris Maldonado, uh, Enrique Bradfield, their center fielder, he's electric. I mean, this guy I think has like 125 career stolen bases, uh, makes tremendous defensive plays nearly every game. Um, just one of the most fun players to watch in college baseball. Like similar to Riku Nishida, just does things you don't see often on the baseball field. Um, this team is, is is really damn good. And but if Oregon's pitching staff can keep them to that like two to five, two to six threshold. Um, I think Oregon could could score enough runs just based purely on talent, uh, but it's going to be a fun regional. I wish I could go. Yeah, you, you kind of touched on a little bit of this. I feel like
0: I know what your answer is going to be, but like in like the NCAA tournament for basketball, you know, you you see a team and you see their seeding and you see the matchups and you go, yeah, they're maybe not the best seed, but this is going to be a team that's going to be a popular team to make you know, one or two upsets and get through the get through the bracket and make and make a run here. Do you get that sense that this is this Oregon team? Like they've got maybe a tough opponent on the opening round against Xavier, but is Vanderbilt beatable? I I think he kind of answered a little bit of it, but does Oregon have a chance here or is this going to be a game where hey Oregon has to play A plus baseball and get lucky to advance?
1: I think Oregon has to play A plus baseball and get lucky to advance. Um, I think that's what happened in the Pac-12 tournament. Like we opened the podcast with, if Stanford makes yeah. that relay throw, uh, even if they just hold Kobe Shade to a triple, um, maybe Oregon doesn't move on. Maybe Oregon doesn't get to the Pac-12 championship game. Um, but that's baseball. Everybody needs luck. doesn't matter how good you are. Um, everybody's going to need some luck every once in a while. But, you know, it's it, it's hard for me to have a real inventory of what this team looks like because – you know, two weeks ago, I watched them put up 43 or allow 43 runs in three inning, or excuse me, three games to Washington. Just an absolute putrid display. Um, I think the Saturday game, Washington sent nine batters up in the first inning and all nine of them came home to score. It was the perfect offensive inning. I've never seen anything like it in my life in, the, in, a, in a, just a horrendous way. And then they went two or three at Utah. Again, the worst team in the Pac 12, mind you. And then they, you know, beat Stanford, number eight overall seed beat Cal, beat Washington, have the revenge there, and then win a 5-4 to four game against Arizona, one of the best offenses in the country, let alone the Pac-12. So it's hard for me to take inventory of what this team really is. However, I know that they're going to hit the ball. You just know this. The whole season they've hit the ball. Last season they hit the ball. Two years ago they hit the ball. This is a hitting team and has always been under Wazikowski and heading coach Jack Martyr. Will the pitching show up? And if the pitching – gives them a b plus level like just slightly above average i think the offense can do enough damage where they can get out of this regional and maybe go to a super regional if the pitching doesn't show up good luck it's going to be a tough one it's going to be a slugfest basically every game um so i think it's possible i think it's doable they just need the pitching to show up like it happened in the pac-12 tournament and hopefully they get enough rest and they get an early nashville to get a, a feel for the environment but they got the first game on Friday. So we'll, we'll know from there.
0: I guess the, the last question I had on, on, on my docket for here is just, is this team in the way that they're constructed, is this kind of like you, you mentioned the three seniors on the team and the, and the impact that they've had is this team constructed where like the window is closing after the season and it's going to take a year or two to reload and, get back or is the window wide open and this is just the start of you know something really fun for Oregon baseball and if you're a fan enjoy this weekend enjoy this this run in the tournament for as long as it goes but also know that hey it's gonna it's gonna keep going the next couple of years
1: Yeah, no, I think it's going to keep going the next couple of years. Uh, You know, Tanner and Drew and Gavin Graham were all significantly uh, important and impactful members of this Oregon baseball program. Um, But I think they got real dudes coming in behind them. Um, And I think there's a chance that some guys stay and don't enter the the MLB draft. Um, There's always a transfer portal. I know it's not as reported on as the college football transfer portal, but... Uh, the baseball transfer portal can certainly put a lot of good names in there. Uh, you look at Drew Cowley. I know Owen Diodati didn't necessarily pan out at Oregon, but um, that was a guy who was a higher-ranked uh, transfer portal recruit. Um, there are options for Mark Wasikowski and his, and his staff. Um, this is a good recruiting staff as well. They do a really good job of getting guys on campus. Uh, similar to what football goes through, not a lot of teams in the country have a better facility than Oregon baseball. Um, they just have they've got a great field they got brand new turf that came in two years ago Um, you know they use part of the HDC uh, to use uh, to use in you know workouts stuff like that team team dinners team breakfasts Um, it's a really easy place to recruit and that's that's a great part and they have great Southern California ties where a lot of good baseball players are from Um, and then most of their freshmen I think I've been you know impressed by this season like like Dominic Hellman, who's hurt, Drew Smith, Carter Garotti, I know Bennett Thompson is a freshman, but sophomore, he's got, he should be the starting catcher every day next season, I think. Um, there's a lot of talent coming in. It's going to hurt because you're going to lose a lot of experience and some really good talent in Cali Smith, and Grant, and others, depending on how the MLB draft goes, but I think that this window is open. And I think as long as Mark Wasikowski is here and he retains his staff and um, the athletic department continues to support them with you know, off the field hires. Uh, Oregon will have a new or will have the opportunity to hire another assistant coach this offseason. As long as the athletic department continues to support them in the way they have and the way Rob Mullins and you know, Pat Kilkenny have, I think it'll be a, a large window.
0: All right, that's going to do it for us. On this edition of the Austin Ottawa's podcast, you can follow all of the coverage of Oregon baseball by Jared uh, on duckterritory.com. Again, Friday, 10 a.m., early start to the day. ESPN Plus, they take on Xavier. Uh, Both programs have won 37 games this season. They're in the Nashville Regional, so depending on what happens there, they'll play either one seed Vanderbilt uh, or four seed Eastern Illinois. Uh, Game two, regardless, uh, will be on Saturday. If they win on Friday, they play at uh, 6 o'clock in the evening, uh, Saturday night, or they play at noon if they lose that one. Um, It's a double elimination tournament. you got to lose twice to get out. Uh, If it goes this far, it could be playing as as late as Monday, June 5th, a game seven uh, for that regional. Jared will have full coverage of it on duckterritory.com. But until the next show here, you've been listening to the Aughts Audibles podcast. Peace.